time for Wednesday's hour number two on Hashtag Daily K with your host, Peter Bint. Korean dramas, movies and even lyrics. Why is the world paying attention to Korean stories? From classics to modern masterpieces, time to dig deep into the charms of Korean literature. On Check It Out with Paul. It's a Wednesday, hump day, jump day. Paul is flailing his arms about as usual. And that so means are you. it's Korean literature today. I wanted to join in, but my arms don't go very high today. Why not? Played football last night. Oh, dear. For the first time in six months. Did you not warm up or warm down? We did, because, you know, Korean football, the amateur stuff, is really good. They usually have one guy who takes the lead, and he'll make you do warming up and warming down. Yeah. Because I'm so unfit, it didn't help whatsoever. That's not good. And and the problem with playing football late at night is that you get all these hormones flowing. And it's really hard to go to sleep. I'm not excited or anything, but it's just your body wants to be awake and active. You, you're a fool, Peter I, Bint. You I are am. a fool. I should do the morning version, which I think lots of older gentlemen do here. I would like to ask you that question, Paul. Ooh, what question? Do you... Do any working out sports or exercise aside from walking a lot? Uh, no, I, I mean when I'm performing, mm-hmm. I've got a lot of exercise in terms of uh, in terms of moving around on stage, sometimes dancing and so on. But yeah. I'm not a sporty person. I don't like sport. I like to cycle. Okay, that's but, kind of a sport. <laughs> yeah, but it's but it's hard to cycle in Seoul right now. It's getting a lot better. Mm-hmm. But I have to say, I, I love walking. Ah. Uh-huh. Um, but no, I don't like football. No. I'm going to be honest. No sports, playing or watching. No. Oh. I've, I've watched the national team. Mm-hmm. Like if the Korean team is playing, yes. I'm interested to see how they're doing. But I'm not I'm not a regular sports fan. Yeah, they played at midnight career time in the World Cup qualifier last night. I wasn't playing in that game, just to make it clear. They, they didn't invite me, unfortunately. Oh, oh uh, they won 3-0 without my help. I think Son and Min scored another goal. And that means they're pretty much certain to go to the World Cup. And you're right. Then I think even people not interested in sports we all get on the bandwagon and yeah, just have a good time the world cup the olympics these big events they're exciting because it's all about the national spirit yeah, absolutely so i enjoy that but i'm, I'm not going to go and support a team on a weekly basis so you're not going to come and watch me and ilsa and play with a load of 40 year olds then <laughs> i might just for the giggles <laughs> uh, there are lots of giggles me falling down an incredible amount joel t is saying did i hear gong Yu, the dude who was in train to busan and the salesman guy in squid game also i recognize that song crush with beautiful and another segue paul's little tumbler can we show it on camera it's just at the edge there is from a little instant coffee company which gong Yu advertises as the smallest coffee shop in the world yeah it's quite delicious and they give you free tumblers sometimes uh, it right? is and i have to say on another tangent i was actually the voice in a gong Yu commercial a few years ago oh were you gong Yu? No, I, well, I wasn't Gong Yu himself, but I was accompanying Gong Yu. Oh, that's cool, I was isn't it? quoting Shakespeare in a commercial for Gong Yu. That's right up your alley. I'm sure <laughs> Gong Yu loved it. I bet that's what Gong Yu says on other shows. It I is. was on a Paul Matthews commercial. Well, he didn't know my name. He just talks about that fantastic British actor. Um, let's get on to today's book. Let's introduce it, get into the weeds. Uh, yeah, well, today is quite an important day for some people in Korea, oh. though it's probably not... 
not well known outside of Korea. Okay. I don't think you even know what the today 17th is. The 17th of November, no. Yeah. Um, I'm going to explain what the significance of the date is later, but okay. do know that the story that I've picked today is a story that should be told on this day. Ooh. And it's a very interesting, very, oh, very painful story. It's called uh, Kiawa Salyuk. Hunger and Slaughter by Che So-hae. It's translated by Janet Hong. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can find it free online. Just search for Hunger and Slaughter Che So-hae and uh, you'll find it there. It Is won't it take you very long short? to read. Very, okay. very short. We're talking about just a dozen pages or so. Uh-huh. And it's a story about a desperate man and his poor family living in northern Manchuria during the time of Japanese occupation. Oh. And I'm sad to say that not every story has a happy ending, and this is one of those kind of stories. We did something with Manchuria in it yesterday. Amsal Assassination, that yes. movie. And uh, John Jeon's character saying that she's going to go back there. And that was a tragic ending of that scene. So we'll continue along these lines. Let's just embrace it these couple of days. Have we ever featured Che Sohe? Uh, no, it's the first time featuring him. Um, but he is a very important writer, uh, writing a particular style of fiction. Uh, he was born in 1901 in North Hamgyong province. Uh, that's now in North Korea. Mm-hmm. And he was very poor in his childhood. Um, didn't even have a formal education, but he wanted to write, uh-huh. wanted to be a writer. And he managed to do it. He made his debut in 1924 with his story Homeland. And then over the next few years, he kept writing, uh, particularly about the hardships of Korean people. Mm-hmm. Um, they call his fiction sort of the literature of poverty. Oh, okay. So talking about how poor people were surviving or maybe not even surviving. Um, And those were the themes, sort of about rejecting established order, doing what you could to put food on your table to keep going. During those colonial times. Yeah, and uh, sadly, he died very, very young. He died in 1932 at the age of 31. But we we do have his stories, but we lost a great writer far too early. Oh, dear. Janet Hong is a name familiar to us. Uh, Yes, just two weeks ago, we were talking about (laughs) her translation of Black and White Photographer by Han Yuju. we featured her before as well with Han Song Nan's Flowers of Mold. Mm-hmm. She is a brilliant translator. Uh, nowadays, you'll find her name on comic books, some fantastic award-winning graphic novels. Mm. Uh, she's based in Vancouver, Canada. Um, she translates both graphic novels and short stories and other pieces of fiction. Um, and she's absolutely brilliant. I think one of one of the really solid translators out there, if you see her name on a translation, you know it's going to be good. You know that she's done her due diligence and is giving you the spirit of the work i'm looking forward to this today then so a poor family living in northern manchuria anything else we need to know to set the scene well uh, no we're going at the start of the story we've got kyungsu the main character who finds himself well on a daily basis getting angry Whenever Kyungsu's thoughts went down this road, his blood started to boil. He wanted to scream and run out and smash everything in sight. But when he considered his insignificance and imagined the plight that his family, those who depended on him would be in once he was gone, his will to just grin and bear it suppressed his rage. His heart throbbed whenever he saw those in dire need, but at the same time, he saw another sight that was even more horrific. A horde of frightful shadows trampling that miserable lot. Oh, why do I even bother to curse them? Let's forget everything. Mother, wife and child. 
They're not the only ones suffering. Is my family the only one to be pitied? There are people in this world who are a hundred times worse off. There's no use looking after my own. I should dedicate my life to helping everyone. He would become enraged and make up his mind time and again, but he lacked the courage to carry out his plan. No, it wasn't that he lacked courage. His attachment to his family was too great. Kyungsu, infuriated even now by the ghastly scene, sat with his arms around his knees, twirling his thumbs and looking intently at his wife in silence. Hakshil continued to pester him. His daughter, whom he had thought adorable a moment ago, he now found irritating. He said to her, I'm going to take a nap. Go to Grandma. He pointed to his mother, who was building a fire in the kitchen hearth. He lay down. But in the end, he cursed his entire family and wished they would all die. If they died, it would be a great relief, as though he had shed an enormous burden. But no, they're people too. If I cherish my own life, they would cherish theirs too. Why should I wish them dead? So that I can bury them in this forsaken land? When I was the one who dragged them here to North Manchuria? Shall I put them in their graves and go on alone? Oh, let's just pretend that really did happen. Their blood would spring up from every step I take. They'll curse me with their blood, so what could go right for me after that? That's right! Why did I even wish them dead? Let's live! Even if we get crushed to oblivion, we go on together. If we die, we die together. His eyes flashed open as though he had seen a terrible sight. He shut his eyes once more and faced the other way. Uh, we've got a question, though, from Sherry saying, I want to know, Paul, what's the process in deciding what story to share with us each week? How does the team choose? Uh, well, it's a collaboration. I, I put forward stories. And, you read a uh, lot. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, like, I've got a couple that I bought recently. There's, there's one, there's Love in the Big City. Didn't uh, you buy, like, a hundred books from the Royal Asiatic Society? Yes. But... I saw the person complain after, not complain, in a nice way, say, we had to explain to other customers later on that Paul Matthews had bought all the books. <laughs> yeah, because I got there. It started at 9am. I got there at 9am. I picked out the books I wanted. It turned out it was about 100 of them. I paid cash. Wow. Wow, that's amazing. But okay. none of them we can really fo feature on uh, oh. on the show because they're all old and it, you can't get them. Oh, and the whole I point see. of sharing sharing books here is we're sharing books that are available. Okay. So, so basically, I buy books that I want to read and then mm -hmm. I'll suggest them and our writers suggest books too. Fortunately, there's plenty of short stories available online and we sort of like to tie things in if there are any special days, like today, we'll yes. talk about why this story in particular was picked. Mm. Um, but sometimes it's just because we want to feature a good book. Well, yeah, absolutely. And if you've got suggestions, remember, we really would take those on board. Always, so let us yes. Know. And unfortunately, we do have to get permission, mm -hmm. copyright permission. And uh, there, there, there is one translator in particular that we'll be trying to get copyright permission for. I'm not going to mention their name. Okay. But I hope one day we do, because uh, they've done some excellent translations, but we haven't been able to get in touch. And it's like... We want to feature your books. Please yes. let us feature your books. If you're listening, if you're a translator and you want your books on as well, please do contact us. Oh, yeah, us. let us know. If you've got something coming out, we will be happy to feature it. Uh, Silver Granny Lynn saying, I think Paul should narrate some audio books as well for us so we can purchase them. And she says, you'd make a grocery list entertaining. One banana. <laughs>
two packets of chips. I'd love that. An audio grocery list. So yeah. you don't have to look at it. You just keep your like, earphones in. And, and just keep repeating everything. Shops. Yes. Brilliant get idea. the kitchen roll, Peter. Get oh, the kitchen roll. It's starting to get creepy now. <laughs> <laughs> Sherry also saying, so much pain and desperation in his story. Yes, very much so. And Jaylee saying, this is super dark. The kitchen hearth? That's uh, something significant, I'm going to guess. There's a push and pull in this situation. He's compelled. It's an interesting book thus far. Thank you, Jaylee. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, Cisco also saying such a passionate reading. And it does seem like the words on the page kind of jumped out at me, feeling like this, that Kyung-soo is so very intense with these emotions, yeah. wanting to just grin and bear it, but also wanting to get out of this situation, but the family's weighing him down. Should he kill them is the point that he's got to in his life, it seems like. And why? Do we find out what scene he's looking at, this this uh, desperate scene it talks about? Yeah, he's, he's just looking at his family at home after he's got well, home from it. work. Okay. His wife is sick. His mother is basically looking after everyone. His, his toddler, his daughter, loves him dearly, but he's too impatient with her. Mm -hmm. He's living in a nightmare of sorts. Oh, dear. And uh, what, what's made him like this? Well, I'll, I'll explain, Peter. Okay. I will explain. Thank you. So... It's only a dozen or so pages, mm -hmm. but we really get into the head of Kyung Soo and what he's dealing with. Um, and actually, he would not be alone. This is a situation I think many families would find themselves in. Mm -hmm. So it starts with him returning home. He's bringing uh, firewood from the mountain, okay. and he's walked miles and miles to get back to his house with this heavy load. He's exhausted. He's greeted by his three-year-old daughter, Hakshul. He's really happy to see him. Mm -hmm. And his mother's really worried about him because he's pushing himself too hard. And his wife has been sick for 10 days and her condition is not improving. Uh oh Plus, his mother tells him, oh, the landlords came by. They're pressuring us to pay the rent. But they don't have the money to pay the rent. Oh, that's a terrible situation. Yeah, and it wasn't always like this. He remembers how... It was much better before, but then they lost everything and now they moved to North Manchuria to try and make a new start, a new mm. living, but it's not working. Oh and then his wife has another attack. She spasms on the floor by the hearth and they try to calm her, but there's not much they can do. She's in such pain, such agony. Mm -hmm. And his mother says, please, just go to the doctor. Please beg the doctor to come and see her. Do anything you can to get him to come and see her so at least the doctor sees her before she's died before she's passed away oh my goodness and that's where we'll pick things up for the second reading yes dr che who had refused to come four times in the past agreed to follow kyung Su that day after taking the wife's pulse the doctor said he could help her but that Kyung-soo first had to sign a contract stating that he would pay a treatment fee of 51. For a long time, the mother and son remained silent. Kyung-soo trembled. He wanted to beat and kill the doctor, but if he wanted to save his wife, to whom every minute was crucial, he had to comply. But what on earth could he do? If he wanted to save her, he needed to come up with 51. But did he even have 51, let alone 5 Jun? If he couldn't pay, his wife would die. Ah, uh, so is this how my wife goes to her death? It felt as though someone were wrenching his guts. It's fine if you don't have the money right now, said the doctor, who had already assessed the situation. We can postpone the payment until later. You just need to sign a contract. 
Kyungsoo got an inkstone and drew up the contract. It went, We'll provide the treatment fee of a total of 51 within one month's time. But if there is a breach of condition, Kyungsoo will become a servant at the house of Dr. Che for a year. The doctor inserted needles into Kyungsoo's wife's arms and legs and wrote up a prescription, saying, Take this to Administrative Park's pharmacy. There's no ginseng at my pharmacy, so I won't be able to make it. Then he left, without a backward glance. His wife's limbs loosened and gradually relaxed. Kyungsoo could barely work up the courage to leave. When he finally arrived at the door of the pharmacy, he hesitated for a long time before entering. The smell of herbs and medicine stung his nose. After much hesitation, he managed to open his mouth. Please, could you make this for me? The pharmacist picked up the prescription without a word and clacked the beads on his abacus. Looking at Kyungsoo, he asked, Well, did you bring the money? Kyungsoo's face burned. I'll bring the money tomorrow. Please, won't you make this for me? His voice was like that of a convict requesting a prison guard for a visit. The owner frowned, without bothering to reply, and disappeared into the room in the back. All of Kyungsoo's sorrows surged up and tears darkened his sight. But there was also a kind of rage. The world was a cruel, cruel place. That truth felt infinitely more tragic and bitter than ever before. What a desperate situation. And I don't know, it's still applicable in certain modern countries where if you don't have money, you can't get treatment, which... Yeah. Sounds awful. Just FYI, our producer has said that one one used to be made up of ten John. So that's what he's talking about. Not even having maybe five John, let alone fifty one, yeah. which is so much more. Exactly, fifty one was a lot of money in those days. Mm. In nowadays, it's it's you can't buy anything for fifty one. But no. uh, <laughs> but back then, it was a, a significant sum of money, and there's no way for him to pay it. So does the pharmacist go into the back to get him the medicine? No. Just oh. ignores him. Oh. That's it. Well, don't bother me. If you can't pay, I'm not going to make you the medicine. Doesn't even respond. Just no. goes off. Oh, dear. Yeah, so Kyungsoo's left with no medicine. He's ashamed. He lies to his wife. He says, oh, they're, they're making it at the pharmacy. I'll go and get it later. Mm -hmm. His mother's gone out, and so he's left at home with his wife and daughter. And then he starts to have visions. Or maybe they're nightmares. Uh -huh. or, or We don't know what. Demons attacking his wife, stabbing her, sucking her blood, even attacking their child. Oh, no. And he wakes up. Uh-huh. And he feels really uneasy. Okay. His mother hasn't come back. Mm-hmm. So he's worried. He goes to look for her, and he searches the neighborhood. He's worried that maybe she's taken her own life, that oh. she's had enough. He's worried he's, she's going to be hanging from the tree when he turns the corner. Goodness. But he can't find her. Uh-huh. And he tries to push away those thoughts. And he returns home and he sits with his sleeping wife and child. And then someone starts calling his name. Mm -hmm. And he steps outside. And there's a man coming towards him, carrying a body. Oh dear, that sounds ominous. Download the Artie Dong radio app on your device for free. 
It's Arirang. A-R-I-R-A-N-G Radio. Mother! Kyungsoo yelled when he realized who it was. He clung to the limp body of his unconscious mother. They set her down in the room. Blood flowed from her arms and legs and soaked her rag-like skirt. Chunks of flesh hung off her torn face. She was limp and unconscious. Her body was cold and only her heart was still beating. Kyungsoo was so stunned that he could neither cry nor speak. What happened? asked someone in the crowd. Kim Chambong, who had merely been clicking his tongue since he sat down, started to speak. Well, I was on my way back from Mulnam with Administrator Che when we came up to the Chinese family's house across the stream. As we got closer, we heard their dog barking like mad. We knew how ferocious that dog is, so we were looking for a big rock. When we heard mixed in with all that barking, this voice as small as a mosquito crying, Help! Help! Che and I ran up to see what was going on and saw the dog attacking someone. So we yelled and called the owner. When we finally chased off the dog, it turned out to be this old woman. With this, Kim Chambong pointed at Kyungsoo's mother. That cursed dog bit and killed a person last year, someone said. So what did the owner do? Did he just stand there and do nothing? Oh, that damn Chinese, he cares more for his dog than his own father. Somebody beat the dog for being such a menace and they got punished. We're the ones who should be pitied for having to live on their land. Kim Changbong, who had stopped when he was interrupted, opened his mouth again. By the time we sat her up, she had already passed out, but she never let go of that thing once, he said, as he pointed at a small bundle on the floor. What is it? Someone said, opening it. Yellow millet. Not even two quarts spilled from the bundle. Kyungsoo's mother had wanted to feed her sick daughter-in-law and so... She had taken out her hairpiece and gone to Mulnam to sell it for some food. Well, this is another sad turn of events, Paul. She's been yeah. attacked ferociously by a dog. Doesn't seem like she's going to be okay in this case. But is the doctor going to come and take a look? No. No. No, there's no hope now. Oh dear. His wife weeps, his child's upset. Not a single one of the neighbours offer any kind of help, not even a cup of water. Oh, goodness. And then the sky turns black and the demons come and in that moment he picks up a knife and he kills his whole family. No! He shouts, kill everyone, and he runs outside and he attacks everything in his path. <gasps> Human, cart, building window it doesn't matter he's smashing and grabbing and killing and stabbing and he ends up in front of the chinese police station uh -huh. and he stabs the policeman on watch <gasps> and then he runs inside to attack and then there are gunshots oh dear and then there's nothing but a terrible silence oh goodness gracious what a short but intense story this seems like paul very much so it's horrifying um and it's really disturbing but it needs to be told mm -hmm. it's symbolic of the struggle of so many koreans around this time and the symbolic of the struggle of so many what we call patriotic martyrs mm, yes now you were talking about amsal yesterday assassination that movie mm -hmm. it's a little bit different um yeah. those were patriotic martyrs who were 
doing their best to to basically fight for freedom of the country. Sure. Kyung Soo's situation is a little bit different. He goes mad. He kills his family and then he goes on a rampage. But what he wants to do, he has this feeling that things are not right. Mm -hmm. The Korean people are oppressed. He has to do something. He's been considering it. You know, what if I did go on a rampage? In that first excerpt, we talked about, you know, how can I help the others? Mm -hmm. You know, my life is meaningless. And that's why I'm sharing this story today. Today, what is today? Today is Patriotic Martyrs Day. Oh, like for not one particular martyr. No. But patriotic martyrs in general. Yeah, this was founded back in 1939 by the Korean provisional government that was outside of Korea at the time because of the Japanese occupation. Oh, interesting. Yeah, and it was founded, um, I'm quoting from the Ministry of Patriots and Veteran Affairs, mm-hmm. in order to remember the disgrace involved in the loss of national sovereignty while observing patriotic martyrs who sacrificed their lives for Korean independence. Wow. This story, this man is a little bit different, Mm -hmm. but he is representative of the struggle of the Korean people Mm -hmm. and the inner turmoil, the inner anger, frustration, the rage that they felt at this mistreatment of having been displaced. Before the Japanese occupation, Kyungsoo's family had everything. Yeah, it's it's not like a black and white hero villain story of the famous patriotic martyrs, but maybe in his rage he's at least drawing attention to how korean people feel yeah we have to condemn kyung soo for his actions but we also have to understand why he he lost the plot why he did what he did and that's what makes che so he's fiction so powerful this Mm -hmm. literature of poverty because he takes us deep inside the mindset of someone who's lost everything, who has no hope, and yet feels this burning rage inside them. Yeah, this is a really intense story. I think it can't help but get to you as well. Um, We've got Tropical K saying, there's a fine line between sanity and completely going off the precipice, it seems here. Because he's just about holding it together. Yeah, but then this happens, his mother being attacked, and Mm -hmm. that's what sends him over the edge. He can't deal with any more. He can't look after his own family. Yeah. Yeah, we've got Stacey saying it's such an emotional story, so moving, and Rel saying, I think it was must have been frustrating to live in that harsh environment. Of course. Jackie saying the story's so devastating. Such stories feel so real. My mother told me about her story where she was very poor, no father, a crippled mother, life was unfair, and that's how she became one tough cookie. Yeah, it's. It, uh, I have to say that some people manage to make it through, mm-hmm. that they survive the terrible conditions that they're born into, but many others don't. I'm so glad, Jackie, that your mother made it through and became the tough woman that she is today. Absolutely. But unfortunately for Korea, we have to recognize the fact that so many people lost their lives and lost everything during this terribly turbulent time at the start of the 20th century yeah and then like that story in manchuria as well is maybe not one that is as highlighted as some of the others living as they said on like chinese people's land in that case and still suffering from inequality there right uh josh lee saying he's fighting it seems against death earlier in the story and has a will to want to live yeah and then i think like you mentioned, Paul, realising he cannot provide for his family, that's what drives him to do this. Maybe feeling that they're better off dead. 
Yeah, it's... Uh... It's a terrible thing to talk about, but yeah, Che is an author. He makes us confront the fact that Kyungsoo has an impossible choice. He can't. He can't help his family survive. So what is he? What is he supposed to do mm -hmm. when his own mother goes off to sell her hairpiece just for a bag of millet? Yeah, and then comes back in that terrible condition as well. Right? Yeah. So that's that's why we're doing this story today. It's. It's, there were so many people who did not give up the struggle for independence mm -hmm. during that awful time. And so today is the day that we remember when anyone and everyone stood up in small ways, in big ways. It doesn't matter. Um, yeah. And to remember Che, who died before Japan left Korea, before mm. the occupation ended. Yes. He never saw a relief to his struggles and the struggles of the characters he wrote about. Yeah, it is something that has such a big effect still to this day in Korea. And there's so many books, so many movies and dramas about it to give you a feel for it. But I guess it's nothing pales in comparison to actually living through those terrible times, right? Yeah. Um, as ever, Paul, thank you so much for your wonderful, very powerful readings today. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, everyone. Thanks to the Literature Translation Institute of Korea for the help with copyright permission for this broadcast. Thank you to Chase Sohei for his moving, powerful, story into Janet Hong for an excellent translation. I will be back next week with another book. Who knows what it may be, but I promise it will be good. It will be interesting. It will be intriguing. Paul, have a wonderful week. We'll see you then. Goodbye! You can listen to Check It Out with Paul Matthews on Adidang Radio's Hashtag Daily K every Wednesday from 10am KST.